Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of Sports Yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, I'm John Gidley. And welcome to the first of what I hope will be many trips into the football attic here on the Sports History Network. You may have heard the trailer for this podcast already, but if you haven't, here's a brief summary of what this is going to be all about. So every Friday, I'm going to discuss a topic about the National Football League, either a game, player, coach, or team that I think is historically relevant, but not well-remembered. In other words, I'm likely not going to talk about the 1985 Bears, since they're well-documented by now. Nor will I devote a show to recapping the Eagles' 13-7 win over the Chargers in San Diego on October 6, 1974, since that has no meaning at all. I'm going to be zeroing in on that beautiful middle ground. Additionally, since I'm only a recent college graduate, this podcast is also for younger NFL fans who may not know some of these stories or the names involved. In short, if you love football and you love history, this podcast and each of our other podcasts on the Sports History Network are for you. So, without further ado... Let's take our first trip into the football attic by talking about a huge game on December 7, 1969, played at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum between the undefeated 11-0 Los Angeles Rams and the 10-1 Minnesota Vikings. Now, you might be asking yourself, John, how can this game be huge if I don't know anything about it? Well, that's a fair point. To tell you the truth, I went a long time without knowing about it either. There are a few reasons for this. First of all, it was 1969, the final year before the NFL and its counterpart of 10 years, the American Football League, merged to create the present-day NFL in 1970, which is regarded by many as the start of the league's modern era. Also, there are very few, if any, historical accounts of this game. All I've found are the box score and some newspaper articles, as well as a brief clip of 20 or 30 seconds on YouTube that doesn't really show much. Now, if this game had taken place in 1979 or 1989, there's a better chance that you could find the original television broadcast on YouTube. But this was in an era before VCR, and it was very rare for the networks to tape broadcasts of sporting events. They would tape their primetime programming for posterity, knowing that several of those shows could live on in reruns for decades to come, but they didn't think anyone would want to go back and watch an old game if they already knew what the outcome was. That may have been understandable at the time, but in retrospect, how very wrong they were. So let's set the scene for this game. As I mentioned, the Rams came in with a perfect record of 11 wins and no losses. They were looking to become the first NFL team since the 1942 Chicago Bears to finish the regular season undefeated. In their most recent game the week before, they beat the Redskins in Washington 24-13. A week before that, they played another home game against a one-loss team. That day, it was the Dallas Cowboys who were 8-1, and and the Rams held off some attempted second-half comebacks by the Cowboys, just barely getting by with a 24-23 win. Now, this was in an era where Los Angeles had some great teams that always came up short in the playoffs. 
1967, they won 11 games, lost only once, and tied twice, but lost to the Packers in the playoffs 28-7. In 1968, they went 10-3-1, but missed the playoffs since this was in an era before wild cards, and the Rams finished in second place in their division. The Rams head coach was George Allen, former defensive coordinator under George Hallis for the Bears. Allen was hired in 1966 to change the fortunes of a Los Angeles franchise that suffered seven consecutive losing seasons from 1959 to 1965, and he did just that as soon as he got there. He coached the Rams for five seasons, and not once did he end the season with a losing record. What always held him back, however, was his team's inability to win in the postseason. Now what about on the field? Well, on both sides of the ball, the Rams were great. They had quarterback Roman Gabriel, who was on his way to an MVP season in 1969, throwing for 24 touchdowns to just seven interceptions. The running game left something to be desired, but Gabriel had a good receiving core led by Jack Snow, Wendell Tucker, and Billy Truax. On defense, well, look no further than the legendary Fearsome Foursome, comprised at this point of Deacon Jones, Merlin Olsen, Lamar Lundy, and Roger Brown. Deacon Jones and Merlin Olsen would both wind up inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Their opponent was easily the best team they had faced all season, the Minnesota Vikings, who had won 10 games while losing just once. The Vikings were coached by the great Bud Grant, who spent 18 seasons at the helm in Minnesota. Like George Allen, however, Grant never got the big one. He coached four teams that went to the Super Bowl, but all four of them lost. The Vikings of this era would wind up being just as disappointing as the Rams. This was unknown at the time, however, since this was only Minnesota's ninth season in the NFL, and the year before, in 1968, they made their first-ever playoff appearance with a record of only 8-6. That was a 24-14 loss to the Colts in Baltimore. They took the NFL by storm in 1969 with the league's best offense and defense. The offense was led by quarterback Joe Cap. A strong running game was headed by Dave Osborne and Bill Brown, and Cap's top receivers were Gene Washington, John Henderson, and John Beasley. The offense scored 50 points on three separate occasions in 1969, all at home. In Week 2, they beat the Baltimore Colts 52-14. In Week 8, they humiliated the Cleveland Browns 51-3. And two weeks before the Rams game, they notched another 52-14 victory, this time over the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a great offense, but if you can believe it, the defense was even better. While the Rams had the fearsome foursome, the Vikings had the purple people eaters, led by two eventual Hall of Famers, Alan Page and Paul Krause, and another great player in Jim Marshall. Paul Krause still holds the record for most career interceptions with 81, and that record isn't going to be broken anytime soon. He led a dominant Minnesota secondary that picked off 30 passes in 1969. The Purple People Eaters twice recorded shutouts, 31-0 in Chicago in Week 5, and 27-0 the week before in Detroit on Thanksgiving Day. The most points they allowed in a single game all season was 24. That was in their only loss to this point. It was on opening day in New York against the Giants. The Vikings led that game 23-10 in the fourth quarter, but the Giants came back on two touchdown receptions by Don Herman from quarterback Fran Tarkenton to beat Minnesota 24-23. Tarkenton played twice for the Vikings in his Hall of Fame career. This was during his in-between stint with the Giants. Now coming into this game, the Vikings and the Rams had each clinched their respective divisions. The Vikings had won the Central Division over the Lions, Packers, and Bears, and the Rams had secured the Coastal Division over the Colts, Falcons, and 49ers. The other two NFL divisions in 1969 also started with the letter C. The Capital Division was comprised of the Cowboys, Redskins, Eagles, and Saints, and the Century Division consisted of the Browns, Cardinals, Giants, and Steelers. Geographically, the divisions made very little sense, but that was okay. 
Coming into the season, it was predetermined that the champions of the Capital and Century divisions would face each other in the divisional round of the playoffs, and the Coastal and Central division champs would play against each other as well. So coming into December 7th, Minnesota and Los Angeles already knew that they would see each other again three weeks later in the playoffs. It still carried a lot of meaning, though, since the Rams were going for a perfect season, and the winner was likely to have home field advantage for their playoff matchup. On a sunny 70-degree day, over 80,000 fans showed up to the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, and millions more were watching Hall of Fame broadcasters Jack Buck and Pat Summerall call the game on CBS. No word if any celebrities were on hand, but several political figures of the era took in this game. Vice President Spiro Agnew was at the game, along with California Governor Ronald Reagan and Senator George Murphy rooting on the Rams. Representing the Vikings was Minnesota Senator Hubert Humphrey. So, the stage has been set. Now on with the game. Bruce Gossett kicked off for the Rams and Charlie West fielded for the Vikings. West returned the opening kickoff 78 yards, and Minnesota was in immediate scoring position at the Los Angeles 22-yard line. The offense went in easily, with the first drive capped by a 4-yard Dave Osborne touchdown run. Quickly, it was 7-0 Vikings. Minnesota relied heavily on a balanced running game in this one, as Osborne, Bill Brown, Oscar Reed, and quarterback Joe Cap combined for 177 rushing yards, the most rushing yards the Rams gave up all season. Cap was only 8 of 16, passing for 72 yards. The score remained 7-0 until the second quarter, when Bill Brown capped an 88-yard drive by leaning forward for a 1-yard touchdown to put the Vikings up 14-0, the largest deficit Los Angeles had faced all season. The Rams couldn't get anything going on offense in the first half. Roman Gabriel threw for only 186 yards on the day, with an interception to the Vikings' Ursel Mackby. This was the only turnover of the game for either side, and it was the first time all year that the Los Angeles defense didn't record at least one takeaway. Kickers Bruce Gossett and Fred Cox exchanged field goals in the remainder of the second quarter, and at halftime, the score was Minnesota 17, Los Angeles 3. Both defenses continued to bear down in the second half, and the only score of the third quarter came on a 27-yard field goal by the Rams' Gossett to trim the Vikings' lead to 11 points, 17-6. In the fourth quarter, Fred Cox tacked on a 29-yard field goal that would prove to be some insurance points, extending the lead back to 14 points, 20-6. The Purple People Eaters turned in an outstanding effort on this day to thwart the league's MVP and his offense, but they still let the Rams back in at towards the end of the game. In the final minutes of play, Gabriel led a 77-yard drive that was capped by a 4-yard touchdown pass to Larry Smith. Just like that, the score was 20-13, and Los Angeles was still alive. The ball was back in Gabriel's hands with 1 minute and 32 seconds remaining. The best the Rams could realistically hope for was a tie, since regular season overtime was not yet introduced. Gabriel marched LA from their own 14-yard line to midfield, but proceeded to throw 4 consecutive incomplete passes. The Vikings had successfully thwarted the Rams' late efforts and handed Los Angeles their first loss of the season. Minnesota left Hollywood with a 20-13 victory. Despite the defeat, the Rams still had a slim chance to clinch home field advantage for the playoffs over the next two weeks. They would have to rely, however, on the Vikings losing either of their final two games, both of which were against inferior opponents, San Francisco and Atlanta. Naturally, LA could keep themselves alive by winning any, or preferably both, of their final two. The next week, the Vikings edged the 49ers 10-7 in snowy Minnesota. The Rams, however, were shockingly shut out by the Lions in Detroit 28-0. What was shocking wasn't that the Lions had beaten them. Detroit had a good team that year. It was just completely unexpected for both of the Rams' strong units to shut down like that. So now Minnesota was 12-1 and LA was 11-2. The Vikings had clinched home field for the playoffs. 
Both teams lost their regular season finales that turned out to be meaningless. Minnesota losing 10-3 at Atlanta and Los Angeles falling at home to Baltimore 13-7. When next they met, it was two days after Christmas in Bloomington, Minnesota, the divisional round of the playoffs. The temperature was a mere 11 degrees. Most expected the Rams to fold for two reasons. One, their disappointing regular season finish, and of course, the cold weather. Two years earlier, they had lost to the Packers in the playoffs in 13-degree conditions. To the surprise of many, however, Los Angeles led this game at halftime 17-7 and was leading 20-14 in the fourth quarter. The Vikings came back, however, as Joe Cap ran two yards for a touchdown to give them a 21-20 lead, and Carl Eller sacked Roman Gabriel in the end zone for a safety to make the final score 23-20. The Rams' once-promising season had ended in disappointment yet again. The Vikings would go on to defeat the Browns 27-7 in the last NFL championship game ever played, and they advanced to Super Bowl IV in New Orleans to face the AFL champion Kansas City Chiefs. Minnesota was favored by 12 points in this game, but were completely shut down as Kansas City rolled to a stunning 23-7 victory. So the Vikings ended the year the same way that the Rams did, only several weeks later. So, there you have it. Now you know all about the Vikings-Rams game on December 7, 1969. I hope you enjoyed our first trip into the football attic, and I hope you'll join me again next Friday. This is John Gidley signing off for the Sports History Network. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I hope that you enjoyed this recent episode presented by the Sports History Network and we're able to learn some good old-fashioned sports history knowledge nuggets. I started the Sports History Network back in 2020 with the mission to help podcasters find a community of like-minded sports history nerds, as well as helping aspiring podcasters to start their own shows. We have a little bit over 30 shows on the network right now covering all sorts of sports history, but as far as I'm concerned, we're just at the toothpick in the ocean moment, you know, that can't even figure it out because there's so much more coming. We wanted to create the ultimate headquarters for sports yesteryear, starting with Podcast Network and our website, but we're going to continue to move into other mediums as well. And here's the cool part, because we want you to be part of our team. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, or maybe being a guest on one of our shows, or who knows, maybe even writing an article for us over on the website, seriously, all you got to do is reach out to us on the contact page over at sportshistorynetwork.com. You can be as technologically savvy as a Neanderthal tapping on a stone trying to figure out this whole hieroglyphics thing back in the day. Again, it doesn't matter because even if you don't understand the whole podcast space, we have a production team that can pretty much help you out with doing everything. All you got to do, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com, head to the contact page, fill it out. That message goes right to me and I'll reach out to you as soon as I can. But for now, dude, I'm through if you're through.